It's great to see so many people here. What a blessing. Uh, we do have uh, this morning, um, I don't know if he would refer to himself as a special guest, but he is a special guest speaker. And uh, I will have you know that we had fellowship with Rob and his wife. And it is really strange when you invite somebody that you do not know into your home. You just don't know, one, how your kids are going to behave or the things they might say or do. But praise the Lord, we had some wonderful fellowship with Rob and his wife uh, last night. And thank you, kids. You were very well behaved. We'll pay you later. Um, Rob comes to us as the regional director for AGC for the Western provinces. That's Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and that other one. And uh, we are very thankful that he is here uh, to minister to us today, to bring us God's word and share a little bit with us uh, about AGC and, and kind of a little bit with the roots and that sort of stuff and what's going on as far as uh, AGC is concerned. And so I am going to pray for Rob as he comes to bring this message, and then we will hear from him and be blessed by what the Lord has for us to his glory. So let's pray. Father God, we come before you. We give you praise for all that you are. Lord, we thank you for the faces that are in this room uh, physically, Lord God. And Lord, we pray for those who are still at home, and, and uh, we ask that you would uh, be able to minister to their hearts in the same way uh, that we have here with the fellowship. Lord, we are grateful to you as, as John has prayed for uh, the opportunity to come through the time that we've come through and recognize the desperate need that we have to be in fellowship with your people. And Lord God, we give you praise for the safety and travel that you provided for Rob and Wendy as they came this direction. And Lord, we continue to pray for safety and travel uh, for them as they meander their way back home, going through a few different towns on their way. Lord, ultimately, we pray for their ministry, that it would be one that brings you glory, that your kingdom would be increased because of uh, their travels and your kingdom would be increased because of this place. And Lord God, we don't want that for any other reason than for your glory and for your name's sake. So bless uh, your servant Rob as he comes and ministers to our hearts this day. We ask for uh, a divine imparting of your wisdom and knowledge into the things that he has to say. So, Lord God, as we receive those words, we worship you in our heart response to those words to give you glory. We pray all of this in your son's name, the wonderful and holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pastor Rob. Well, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. And it's good to be with you. It feels like we're at home because uh, we know a number of people here that we were surprised to see today. John and Wendy, it's been a lot of years since we've seen you. And even longer probably since we've seen you, Neil and Rebecca. It's so great. I had no idea. Uh, we feel like we know you also because there's been three times when I've watched your service online. And uh, it's been great. You uh, are just meeting the expectation. When I look online, it seems like, wow, that's a great church. That's a, that seems like a pretty good church. You come here, and, and it's confirmed. It's great. And uh, so thank you for welcoming us. Uh, as was mentioned, I do the job of director across Western Canada, so that just simply means that then we go and encourage, and we try and help, and there are trouble spots, and we do those kinds of things. And we've been doing this for about 12 months at the end of June, and at the end of June, we'll have put on over 40,000 kilometers just uh, going across Western Canada. So that prayer for safety is always appreciated. 
Uh, you just never know. Isn't it true? We get into our vehicles, we go to work, we do our thing, and we just never think about the fact that we're very mortal and our lives could change in an instant, anytime. It's so true, no matter what our age is. Uh, you're part of a family of churches of 49, soon to be 50 churches in Western Canada. Uh, big churches, little churches, rural churches, city churches. And I just want to tell you, I'm not going to talk a lot about the AGC, but I just want to tell you that, that COVID has had absolutely no restrictions on God. It's been phenomenal to see what God is doing right across Western Canada. There's been people born again. We've had churches where they've actually been baptizing people. They don't have a, a baptismal tank. They just brought in a cattle trough and baptized them right there in the service. And, and it's just been really, really neat to see that God's at work and God is changing lives. And we're part of that as his children. Uh, I was just thinking as they came in here today and, and met those that we know, but won't heaven be a great place? When we go and, and meet people that we once knew and haven't known and people that, you know, people we've read about in the scriptures and we'll be family and we'll be forever with the Lord. It'll be an awesome day. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles this morning because really, I really feel like a worship service is, is not a place to talk about the AGC. I'd love to tell you anything else you want to know later. But what I'd like to do is take you to God's word because that's why we're here. Uh, we want to learn about our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me to the Psalms. Psalm 103, as we look at God's word together today. In our society, it's a very competitive business world. So if you go and do business somewhere, the chances are great that they're going to send you a survey afterwards and ask you if you're satisfied. Could be a hotel, could be a cable company, uh, could be an oil change that you got done somewhere. But they want to know if you're satisfied. Because they know if you're satisfied that you'll come back again. And in this psalm, David talks about one that can satisfy us like no other. And that is our Lord and our God. That's the person that we know of as Jesus Christ. It's remarkable when you look at mankind because we are the highest of God's creation. We are the most intelligent of God's creation. And we have the greatest capacity for joy in anything that God has made. And yet, isn't it interesting that mankind pursues satisfaction in all kinds of created things, and they never satisfy? They do for a while, right? I mean, our phones are great until the next model comes out, or the car was good until the next model has all these other things on it, or, and we're always looking to be satisfied. David says there's a God who can actually satisfy us, and he talks about that here. Now, over these last 15 months, I don't know about you, but the opposite of satisfaction is frustration. And, and honestly, COVID has frustrated me. And I've caught myself because my eyes go towards restrictions, masks, vaccines, all those things that kind of frustrate me. And, and I lose that satisfaction, that deep-seated satisfaction that I had when I focused on Christ. You know, as you go through the last 15 months, there's kind of been like four phases we've walked through. I'd, I'd say every one of them is comprised by one single word. So back in 2020, in March, the one word we heard the most was pandemic. I don't know what you, but I didn't even know what a pandemic was back then. I mean, what's a pandemic? It wasn't a flu, we were told. It wasn't this or that. It's a pandemic. And it was worldwide. And so that was the one word that captured our attention at the beginning. But it moved very quickly to another phase. Then one word described that, and that would be masks. Remember? I mean, we had never had to wear masks in our lives before. We've traveled all over the world, and in Asia, they've been wearing masks for years, but we haven't. And, and all of a sudden, we all talk about masks and had to wear masks. And then after that came the other word, vaccines, right? And that's what all the conversations were about. But now we're finally at that last one that, that the one word we'd be describing is reopening. 
We are so happy we're all here together today. We are so happy that we can go in. Last time we were in Alberta, a couple of weeks back, we were eating our meals in our car in a parking lot. Not very fun. But you've reopened restaurants and, and everything is reopened. Let me just suggest to you today, as we look into the Word of God here, that we need to reopen our conversations. Because I don't know about you, but it's really hard to have a conversation with somebody without COVID coming up. Isn't that true? I mean, you got an opinion about a mask or a vaccine or this, that. And, and what's happened is that our conversations about the Lord have been sidetracked. We need to come back to talking about the Lord, about his goodness, about his character, about what he's done. So this is written by David. And David is a unique person in all of the Bible. Very, very unique. You know that nobody else's story and nobody else has more of Scripture dedicated to their story and life than David does. It's remarkable. So to put it into perspective, if you think of Abraham, who's the, the father of Israel and, and the founding patriarch, there's 12 chapters about his life. Do you know how many there are about David's life? 62 chapters of this book called the Bible speak of David's life. That's phenomenal. That's remarkable to me. And, and you may think of him simply as an Old Testament person, but don't do that. Because when you open up the New Testament, you're going to go to Matthew 1.1. 1, 1, and in the first verse, the second person mentioned in the Bible is David in the New Testament, right after Jesus. And you can go all the way through it. And at the end of the scriptures, in Revelation 22, with six verses to go, David is the second last person mentioned, and then Jesus. So he bookends the New Testament. In fact, 56 times he's mentioned in the New Testament. Very significant person. So when someone that significant says something, I want to listen. He obviously has something to say. And when God says of that person that there's a person that's a person after my own heart, then I think when he says something, I want to listen. I want to know what he has to say because it's going to be significant. So let's take a look at this psalm, Psalm 105. We're just going to look at the first five verses this morning. And uh, I'll just read them for you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just blend this a little bit. So I'm going to actually read it and put together the ESV and the NIV. I have the NIV, but, but I like a couple of lines in it from the ESV. So just listen as I read this, and you can follow along in your scriptures. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All of my inmost being, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies our desire with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I want you to think about this for a minute. So when you think of verse 1, who's David talking to? He's actually not talking to God. And he's not talking to somebody else. Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. You say, whoa, that's a little weird. Do you know what? Let me just say this to you. Nobody talks to you as much as you do. Think that through. You are always talking to yourself. You are always thinking in your mind. And you're always commenting on things in your mind. You talk to yourself more than anybody else does. So just think that through. Now, David says this to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So think about it. How do you bless God? How do you bless someone who is and has everything? 
I mean, if you bless me, usually I'm the benefactor of what you're giving me, doing to me, right? You cannot add to God. You can't make him greater, make him higher, make him more majestic or holy by blessing. So what does it mean to bless the Lord? How do you do that? I'll illustrate it to you this way. About three weeks ago on the May long weekend, our schedule got changed and we found ourselves with a weekend off. So we went over to Moose Jaw to a Temple Garden spot. It's a really nice resort area and just took a weekend off. We went to our AGC church there unannounced. I didn't tell him I didn't want to do anything. I just want to show up, you know, just like incognito in the back. So Richard Wendell's the pastor there. He's a huge guy. If you've never met him, he's like a middle linebacker sized guy. Great big guy. And his wife, Brittany, is really funny because her head comes up to about here on him. So she's really tiny. So he's preaching and he preaches with a mic in a hand and kind of wanders around a bit. And he has two little kids and John comes up running from the back, escaped from mom, comes up to the front when he's preaching and he holds the mic and it didn't even phase him. He just kept preaching. And, and little John comes up and, and puts his arms around his daddy's legs and squeezes them. And he's just still preaching. And, and he just smiles down at John and he reaches down as he doesn't miss a beach preaching reaches down, picks up John in his arms, gives him a big squeeze, and they look at each other eye to eye, and you can just see he's just delighting in his son. And he puts him back down, and he's satisfied. He runs back to mom. That's what it means to bless the Lord. It means to delight the heart of the Lord. Isn't that phenomenal? That something that you do could actually cause delight in God. So when you bless him, you are thinking and talking to yourself about who he is and what he's done, and you talk to others about that, that blesses his heart. That delights his heart. And I love the end of this verse here when it goes on and says, and forget not what? All his benefits. Listen, there is only one person who always and only has your benefit in mind. And that's your God and your Father. And that's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I try to continually do things that benefit Wendy, but she'll tell you I'm not a perfect husband. And, and there isn't any of us here. But we have a God, we have a Savior who is constantly working for our benefit. He is constantly working. Do you know that when you were sleeping last night, he wasn't sleeping or slumbering? He was actually working to fulfill his perfect will for your life. Forget not all of his benefits. David says, I am going to remember all the benefits towards me that God has. Now, think of David who's speaking this. David went through great hardship, great heartbreak, great sorrow, great trials. And he says, but God's working for my benefit. Isn't that remarkable? See, it's not theory to David. He's proven it in his life. And he says, I will not forget the benefits, all the benefits, even through the hard times and the difficult times. David knew what he was talking about. I'm not much for theory. I don't have, you know, a lot of time for, for somebody that's got all this pie in the sky about their God. I want to know that God is at work and he's working for my benefit. And I'm here to tell you today that he does that. It was in January of 2013, when our son was going to prepare to the mission field. He was four months from leaving for the mission field. He knew Japanese already. The support was raised. And he was on his way to work in the morning. And at a stoplight, he stopped. And when it started to go, he lost control. And it went into a three-quarter tongue, and he was killed instantly. But I want to tell you, 
along with David, that everything God does in our lives works for benefit, works for that purpose of transforming us more and more into the image of his son if we will bless the Lord from our soul. Did you notice he said twice, my soul and my inmost being. This is me, what I usually do. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't that a great day out there today? Well, praise the Lord, you got that job that we prayed for. Or, or praise the Lord, that, and those are good, and we should praise him for those things. But David's not talking about the surface. He's actually talking about the innermost being of who we are deep down in our souls. Praise the Lord. Delight the Lord for the things that you think about in your soul that he's done. And then he goes on here and he lists four of them. Take a look at them with me. He says, first of all, who forgives all our sins. Not most of our sins. Not some of our sins. All our sins. Do you know what this word in the uh, ESV, I think it says iniquity. Do you know what it means? It means distorted and twisted. And I got to tell you, I can't think of two other words that describe my life and your life more than those two words. I have a distorted view of myself. I see myself in, in colored lenses, better than what I really am. And I look at other people and I see them with distorted lenses too. And I look at God and I don't see him as he really is. It's distorted. That's how we are. And we are twisted, said David. This is David. Now, if you were to make a list of the sins of David's life, it would be a lengthy list. He was a deceiver. He was a chronic liar. He committed adultery. He took advantage of people. He was prideful. He had dysfunction in the home like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And David says, oh, forget not all your benefits, Lord. You forgive all my sin. If anybody had a reason to say, well, I, I wouldn't come before God because he just won't accept me. I mean, you know, Pastor Rob, I don't even know you, but you don't know me and you don't know what I've done and you don't know my marriage and you don't know what's happened in our lives and how I grew up. No, but he does. David says, I'm just testifying that he can forgive all our sin. Isn't that remarkable? When's the last time you actually stopped in your soul and thanked him for that? Because when you do that, you delight his heart. You bless him. When you rehearse in your mind all those things that, that the blood of Christ has covered and that you're forgiven for, and that word forgiven, it forgives all our sin, it means taken away. The guilt is gone. You've been pardoned. That delights his heart when you think about that. That delights his heart when you remember that. Bless the Lord. Delight the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all our sins. And then he goes on and says, and he heals all our diseases. Well, that's an interesting phrase. What does that mean? Does that mean like we can name it and claim it? Does that mean that, that we can just be healed of everything? No, that's not what David's saying. The word means to be healed or to recover. David himself, you remember when he sinned with Bathsheba, he, he had a child and he prayed and fasted for that child. First of all, if it was true that God would simply, all we had to do is name it and claim it, then that child would never have died, right? David knew that that you lose people to sickness and disease. What David's saying is this, is that any recovery that's ever happened in your life, any sickness you've ever been raised up for, no matter how serious, flu, cancer, whatever it is, headaches that you prayed about and asked God for relief from it, anything like that, God is behind it. 
God is the one who's always behind any kind of healing, any kind of recovery. And so we need to acknowledge that. And when we acknowledge that and give him glory for that, it delights his heart. That's blessing the Lord, oh my soul. You think about all the things, the broken bones, all the sick, all the flus, all the things that you've recovered from. God's behind it all. God's the one who's there. And God uses medicine and God uses doctors and all those things, but he's behind it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all our sins, heals all our diseases, and redeems your life from the pit. Have you ever thought about where would your life be if you didn't come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If, if you weren't born again by the Spirit of God, where would your life be today? Did you ever think about that? And where has it gone to even since then? We've all been in pits of one kind or another. David rehearses in his mind. He speaks to himself and he says, you've redeemed me from those pits. You pulled me up out of those situations that I thought there was no way, no hope. This is it. It's done. Listen to what he says. As we think about the scriptures, as we think about what he says here, it's interesting. Psalm 69, verse 2 and 3. David's describing a time in his life. We don't know exactly what the time is, but this is what he says, and I can relate to it, and I'm sure you can. I sink in the miry depths where there's no foothold. I have come into the deep waters, and the floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched, and my eyes fail as I look for God. You ever feel like that? Like we are in this so deep. It's no foothold. And the waves are coming over us. And I'm not sure how long we're going to last in this. And I'm not sure how much long we can keep going. And we have cried out for God and he has not answered. And our eyes have looked up to him and we don't see anything on the horizon yet. You ever feel like that? David says, when I think back, you redeemed me from that pit. You reached down and you helped me at that time. When you recall those things in your heart, when you think of the work of God in your life, you bless him. You delight his heart because of what you're speaking to yourself about. This is what David is talking about. By the way, none of us deserve any help, do we? So you think of it. At the end of David's life, he's going to pass the torch to his son Solomon. He's going to pass it on and so he... Uh, he says to God, and he speaks this prayer, and he says, Who am I, that my family, that you brought me this far as if I were not enough in your sight, O God? You've spoken about the future of your servant. You looked upon me as if I was the most exalted of people. See, he realized he didn't deserve any help in the pit. God reached out and helped him. When you remember that, you bless him. You delight his heart. He crowns you, fourthly, he says, with love and compassion. So here's the word picture. It's of this unworthy person who is going down on a knee, and the king is there, and he's got a crown. He's going to put it on his head, but it's not a crown of gold, says David. You actually crown me with your love and with your compassion. And again, if there was anybody who'd say, well, I'd come to God, but he wouldn't accept me. He loves you. He's redeemed you. You're his own. If you've been bought by the blood of Christ, his steadfast love is crowning you and will remain on you and is compassionate towards you. David is saying, trust me, 
I blew it so many times. He crowns you with love. He crowns you with compassion. It's remarkable. David is overwhelmed by the love of God towards him. Has that ever hit your heart lately? You ever thought about how much God crowns you with love? He crowns you with compassion? In the New Testament, there's the disciple John, wrote the book of John and the epistles of John. When John writes his book about the gospel, he never mentions his name. He mentions all the other names of all the other 12, but not his. Instead, what does he call himself? The disciple whom Jesus loved. See, he seemed to be so overwhelmed that, that Jesus could actually love him. Well, why would he think that? Well, there's a good reason for that. Because John had some things that as he looked back on his life, he would have been embarrassed about and thought, oh, oh, that wasn't very good. If you go to Luke chapter 9 later on, you'll find two stories there that illustrate that truth. So John and James are, are out walking one day, and they come across someone that's casting out demons. And then John goes back to Jesus and reports, and he says, Jesus, I told that guy to stop casting out demons because he wasn't one of us. Not part of our group. That exclusive type spirit, right? You know what Jesus did? He rebuked him. He said, John, John, if they're not against us, they're for us. Leave them alone. Oh, sorry. The same, since, same chapter, next verses. Here they are, James and John, two guys who, by the way, what's their nickname? Sons of, yeah, they had a little problem with temper, right? With fire. Jesus sent them into a Samaritan village to go and prepare the way for them. Very interesting story because Samaritans don't like Jews and, and they didn't want them there. So when they don't welcome them, what David understood that was when, when David was kicked out by Absalom running for his life, there was a guy named Shimei up on the hillside. Remember that story? Throws down rocks, pelts them, says, you're not welcome. That's what it means not to welcome. So can you imagine James and John, fiery guys, and people start throwing dirt and rocks on them. That's going to tick them off pretty quick. So they come back to Jesus. Luke 9, you look it up later. This is what they say to Jesus. Would you just like us to call down lightning from heaven and just destroy them? We'll, just, we'll take care of this, Lord. We'll get rid of them for you. As if they could, number one. As if two, Jesus, again, it says, rebuked them. So you see the things that are going on in John's life? And, and then their mother goes up to Jesus, prompted by the two boys, says, just go ask Jesus if we could have this side and this side. The mom does it. This is why John says, the disciple that Jesus loved, it's overwhelmed him. After all the dumb things he did, after all the times he blew it, Jesus loved him. The word says to us in Psalm 103 that our God crowns us with love. He crowns us with compassion. When you remember that in your heart, when you speak of that to yourself, when you speak of that to others, it blesses the heart of God. He delights you for you to say that, to hear that. Then lastly, look at what it says. Who satisfies, I'm going to read this from the ESV because it's, it's more direct here, but who satisfies you with good. The NIV is a little bit weaker. It says who satisfies our desires with good things, but it literally is who satisfies you with good. So if it's true that God is the only one who can satisfy, then however he satisfies has to be rooted in his character, right? Otherwise, it's not him satisfying you. So God is good. How does he satisfy you? David is saying, listen, God satisfies us with good. He satisfies us with himself because he is good. If you want to be satisfied, look to God. If you want to know that deep-seated contentment, that deep peace that will last through COVID, that will last through any storm of life, 
David is saying, trust me. I'm speaking to you from experience. He said, he will satisfy you with good. In other words, he will satisfy you with himself. And what happens when he does that? Look at the last line. So your youth is renewed like the eagles. You just feel invigorated. You just feel like, I am ready to go on. I can do this. And I want to tell you, David is speaking, not theory. He's speaking from experience. He's proven the word. I'm telling you that my God, Jesus Christ, has satisfied me. And he can do the same for you. I don't care what pit you find yourself in today. I don't care what circumstance where you feel like you're going under and the waves are coming over. The word of God says that our God satisfies you. And he can satisfy you with himself. And when he does that, you will feel renewed and you'll be able to go on. But if you won't look to God, if you stubbornly refuse and say, I just don't believe it. I just, I've been there once. It didn't work. I just, no thanks. You'll continue to flounder. You'll continue to spin your wheels. You'll continue to have the waves beat over you and find no foothold. David is telling us how it is that as mankind that we can find satisfaction. It's in the living and true God. David is unique in the Old Testament. I told you that. In fact, even in a personal, intimate way with God. All through the Bible, you'll find in the Old Testament, it says that he is the shepherd of Israel. He is the God of Israel. He is the rock of Israel. Do you know what David does? Nobody else does this. He says, just wait a second. He's actually my shepherd. <laughs> Not just the shepherd of Israel. He's my shepherd. He is my God. He is my rock. He is my redeemer. You don't see Abraham saying that. You don't see Moses saying that. But David said that. David had an intimate relationship with the living God. And you and I can have an intimate relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And his desire is to satisfy our desires with himself. Well, that, may, that just encouraged us this week because we're going into a new week. Sunday's the beginning of a new week. This is a new day. And we'll choose to be frustrated this week or we'll choose to be satisfied. And you'll only be satisfied in the person of the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you that you inspired David to write these words so long ago. They were words that were true for him. I'm sure he had no intention that anybody else would, would ever think about those things or, or read his words. But they're so filled with truth that you preserve them for us today in 2021 for a time such as this, that we would learn this unchanging truth that you are a God who satisfies. Lord, we want to delight you. We want to bless you as we recall the things that you've done in our lives. You are always working for our benefit. You forgive all our sins. You heal us. Father, you are the one who, who strengthens us when we're weary. We thank you for who you are today. We bless your holy name. And we choose as we enter into this new week to trust you and to walk with you. So we thank you for these moments in your word. We thank you for these times with brothers and sisters. And we thank you for the worship. In Jesus' name, amen.